Hello and welcome to The Flex. It's Matt St. Jean here alongside Joe Howie. Joe, is this the most important week the Friars have faced so far this season? (laughs) I know you're only saying that because I just said it to you less than a minute ago before (laughs) we hit the record button, but Matt, I think so. Um, Going into the week, you have 21st-ranked Xavier on Wednesday at the Cintas Center in Cincinnati. And on Saturday, you host the 22nd ranked Marquette Golden Eagles, the hottest team in the conference. Like, this is a huge week for us. Um, I don't want to play look ahead to Marquette, so that's the only time that I'll mention them. But it starts on Wednesday. You have a a really tough road matchup against another quality ranked Big East opponent. And, you know, it's going to be a rock fest, you know, a rock fight, whatever you want to call it. it. It is going to be a tough game. Yeah. And this is this is the prove it game for Providence. The Friars have not had a quad one win since so check this out, Joe, since December 18th at UConn have not had a quad one win. The only quad one game they've played in that time was the loss at Marquette. And they had not one, not two, but three quad one games in a row postponed um, or possibly canceled because of COVID, that stretch with Creighton, UConn, and Seton Hall back a couple weeks ago. So going at Xavier, this will be quad one. The net likes Xavier. They're 19th in the country there. This is going to be a huge win. Uh, Not a huge win, a huge game for the Friars, especially going into a venue where they haven't won since 2019, and that's their only win there ever. Yeah, I mean... It's a huge game regardless. It would be a huge win, as you just said, Matt. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, this is this is really it. This is the big test for us. Um, early on in the season, I think John Rothstein tweeted that Providence at Wisconsin was a litmus test for both teams. I, I think this is a litmus week test for, for Providence, and it starts at Xavier. Um, we, we spoke with the Xavier guys last night. Um, that, that, that interview was much more uh, casual than this one. But... <laughs> Um, I mean, Xavier's tough. They're a tough team. They, they and they've been kind of down lately. You know, you only beat DePaul by one. You get beat by Marquette. They're going to they're they're playing for bragging rights here, too. They're playing to to knock off the top team in the conference, for lack of a better term. Providence yeah. sits alone in the penthouse right now with one loss. So, yep. you have the not only do you have the target of you're the second highest ranked team in the country with seven uh, in the conference excuse me with 17 but now you're the top team in the conference as well so people are coming for you and and this is you talked about xavier a team that may have struggled a little bit recently they are two and two in their last four games three and three over their last six all three of those losses being quad one losses if you thought it's been a while since the Friars had a, a top-tier win, it's been even longer for Xavier. They have not had one in conference play, haven't won a quad one game since December 5th at Oklahoma State. So they're also kind of in dire need of a win. They just got shocked up there <laughs> at Fiserv. So, yeah, this is there's no doubt this is going to be a, a desperate and hungry team that the Friars are going to be up against. Who do you think is going to be the most key player if the Friars come out of this game with a victory? It has to be Nate Watson. I feel like every time we've played Xavier in the past, it's Watson who shines. Um, It's typically it's if you can beat Xavier on the interior, your chances of winning the game are that much higher. Um, Who was that guy in in the past? Tyreek Jones. He used to be a Mm -hmm. pain in the neck to play because he was just like Nate Watson. He was a little showier, a little more chippy and mouthy, and him and Watson had one hell of a rivalry. But 
with him gone, it's Nunji and Fremantle who hold down the paint. Um, as we mentioned last night with the Xavier guys, you know, Fremantle has severely underperformed the season. Um, so I think that's coincidental with the fact that Jack Nunji is now on the roster and, and Nunji's their leading scorer with 12 a game. But uh, really, Nunji has length and Watson has girth. You know, Nunji's a seven footer, Watson's 6'10, but Watson's got a good 20, 30 pounds on Nunji. So if Watson's playing physical in the paint, he's going to, Nunji's going to collapse into a pile of sticks, is basically what's going to happen. Yeah, no, and that's that's definitely going to be the key to this one. And it makes it interesting. For as rough as some of these guys have been on defense in the paint for Xavier, they actually have a pretty decent two-point defense. And they don't send teams to the line that often. So that's one of those where the eye tests and the stats don't always quite match up. But, yeah, this, is, this should be a game where I think you'd expect Nate Watson to play big. We saw Kirk Queth for Marquette have a, a good game against Xavier last time out. So hopefully Watson can kind of, especially at the defensive end of the floor in particular, really bring some of that energy. And while we're talking about the paint pet, paint play, let's uh, let's head over to Croswell's cleaners. I think Ed <laughs> could have a big day for himself here too. Yeah, I agree, Matt. I think the beauty of Ed Croswell and the role that he plays is that uh, a lot of scout defenses – surprisingly don't plan for him and listen Nate Watson is obviously going to be the top of your scouting report I think that's just a given at this point in the season but with the way that Ed Croswell's played over the past six weeks I can't imagine why people are not scouting him correctly because it's almost like you take Watson out the pressure on the paint spreads and Croswell is getting great looks. And now listen, you have to give Croswell a lot of credit. He plays against Nate every day in practice. This is something Nate said in the postgame press conference with Ed Cooley after the Butler win is that him and Ed, they go to war every day. He didn't say practice yet. They go to war. So imagine like you're Ed Croswell, you're getting bodied by the best big man in the country. You're going to come out. You're going to want to do it to someone else. So it, there's a clear explanation as to why Ed Croswell is playing the way that he is. But I, I, I think if you can find the right balance of Nate and Ed and getting them playing time at the five, like we're a very tough scout when it comes to our five position. Yes, we are. And that's I mean, that's certainly going to be something. It'll be interesting to see what Travis Steele decides to do against that, because if Fremantle is not not your guy defensively, you might have to rely on a guy like Jerome Hunter or even an undersized Colby Jones is kind of your four in some of these looks. And that's I don't know. I wonder, do you think we see some time with Croswell and Watson out there? It's definitely possible. We've seen that look this season. Um, the only reason, and not that it's even my call, the only reason that I'm hesitant to do it, even though it's completely not my call, it's Ed Cooley's, but the reason that it, it hesitates me is because when you have like Horkler and Watson in, Horkler can stretch the floor, can drain some threes, and is really a hybrid stretch forward, um, whereas Croswell is more of a, a forward center type. You know, he, he plays the power forward position. But he plays bigger than his size. So if you're He's putting Cros- at home four or five. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So when you're putting Croswell in uh, with Watson at the same time, uh, just for, for a scoring standpoint, it's a little bit different. Horkler allows you to stretch the floor, whereas Croswell guys are going to be more comfortable staying home. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And uh, that's kind of 
I think that's going to be one of the big questions for the Friars over the last six weeks of the season here. How much do you decide to stretch the floor and how much do you decide to play in the paint and embrace your two bigs that have played so well? Part of that is going to be dependent on the health of A.J. Reeves and dependent on how well Noah Horkler or Justin Manaya are shooting from deep. But it'll be an interesting tactical decision to see what Cooley goes with. Now, we have, we've talked a lot about these front courts and how physical the Friars can be there. But let's talk about the backcourt because this is an area where Xavier can be very physical with Paul Scruggs there, the young but scrappy Colby Jones, Nate Johnson, who can knock down threes. If Xavier's going to win, I have to think this is the area where they're going to beat the Friars. Yeah, and again, you can hear this uh, the interview after this, but the Xavier guys even said that too, is that if Providence wins the game, it's in the front court. But the backcourt's a different story. Nate, Nate Johnson and Paul Scruggs are aggressive players, like aggressive physically, aggressive in mentality. Uh, I think Paul Scruggs is going to draw the matchup of Al Durham. And Durham, we've seen, can be chippy and aggressive. It was against, um, what's that little asshole's name? Brad Davison on Wisconsin. <laughs> I hated him. But Al Durham hated him, too. And I, don't get me wrong, that was a Big Ten rivalry there. But um, – Durham has the ability to be chippy and scrappy, and so does Bynum. Bynum was being chippy and mouthy with Chuck Harris and Aaron Thompson all game against Butler. So I'm expecting that kind of that, that chip on your shoulder edginess to come out a little bit this game. Um, what I'm intrigued about, Matt, is the wing. Because like you said, Colby Jones, Nate Johnson, even Adam Kunkel, those guys can knock down threes. I think Manaya and Horkler defensively are going to be imperative to the win. I think uh, Manaya is probably going to flip-flop between Colby Jones and Nate Johnson, but uh, especially you know with Fremantle and how much playing time he's going to get up in the air, Manaya and Horkler, those two defensively are going to be so important on the wing. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And that was that was going to be the next question I was going to ask you. Who's going to be covering Colby Jones? Because for my money. That's Justin Manaya's matchup right there. He's got a size advantage. He's got a, a age advantage, experience advantage there. And Colby Jones, that's the leading rebounder for the Xavier team. If you can put Manaya on him, box out, play physically, you might really be able to put a dent in Xavier in the paint. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's all going to come down to matchups, too, like you said. Like, Manaya has the size and rebounding advantage on Colby Jones. Like, why not exploit that weakness? If you can take out their shoot, if you could take out Xavier's three point shooting and force them to throw it inside, let the bigs do the rest. It, it, it's going to be, and I said it, it, to the Xavier guys, this is going to be a low scoring game. It's not going to be very flashy. It, I can't imagine that the it's going to be very quick. It's going to be slow, grinded out Big East basketball. Yeah, and that's that's what we love here. That's and that's the way the Friars win. Muck it up, get ugly with it, and grind the team out. I honestly, another thing I think that's going to be interesting here, because it's going to be a slow game. Friars need to get to the line. Xavier does not foul teams a ton. They don't. They're pretty disciplined down there. And the Friars actually need to take advantage anyway. Get to the line, force these these opportunities. To go with that, you got to keep hitting free throws. Because if both teams are going to be in the 50s and one or two free throws here or there, that could be yep. the difference maker. Yeah. And listen, I think we've seen some free throw improvement, and I'm going to knock on wood as I'm saying that, and hopefully you can hear it. We've seen free throw improvement as the season has progressed. So 
I'm pleased with that, but it, you need consistency with it, you know, especially at the Cintas Center. It's a very tough, it's a very loud, rowdy environment. You know, you got to keep your composure at the line. And this is something that I said, God, was it the Wisconsin game? It was, it was early on in the season, but I said that when you're at the line, keep composure and, you know, take a breath, like don't rush, like live in the moment, you know, like if you're, if it's like the end of the game, you get to the free throw line, like take a couple breaths. Like everyone's, everyone's dogged out there. You're sweating, you're dying. Your heart rates up. Take a few breaths. Like when you rush to take the free throw, that's chances are it's not going to go in. You take a few breaths. You can, you gather your composure. That's when you make the free throws. That's when you, you see the clutch free throw shooting from Al Durham. He takes his time at the stripe. So composure, uh, living in the moment, all of that's going to be imperative to this win. Um, especially if you look at the way we lost last season at the Cintas Center. Matt, that was a heartbreaker. Um, I had tried to put that game out of my memory and just Colby Jones hitting that three late. That's so tough. Friar, I mean, you don't want to see that again. You want to see better late game execution. That's for sure. Listen, right. At the end of the day, you lost that game because you gave up the seven point lead that you had with less than a minute and a half to go. That's why you lost the game. Now, if we look at the actual play, that was a defensive hiccup between Jimmy Nichols and, and Greg Gant. The, our two wing players didn't know who they were guarding, and Colby Jones got a clean look at it. I, I think that's where that's where Horkler and Manaya are going to be so important in this game because quite literally, the last time we played at Cinta Center, it was won by Colby Jones, a wing player. So you get Manaya on him, you get Horkler on him, get whoever on him. You get you you handle. The wing, you handle the positionless players in the wing. Then you let the down low and you let the guards in the backcourt take care of it. That's where it's going to be determined. Yeah, and that's what I mean. This is going to be two teams. This is two teams that are pretty deep. Uh, have a lot of guys that can score, have a lot of guys that can win in different ways. And it's going to test both of these teams with their physicality, their toughness. It's going to test them mentally, too, just the ability to stay on your assignments and do what you need to do. Um, and this is this in some ways, this might be the biggest test the Flyers have had so far this year. Would you agree with that? I would say yes. Um, I think at UConn was another big test at Wisconsin was another big test. Um, I, I mean, this is what you get in conference, <clears throat> excuse me, in conference play though, is you, you get a ton of quality teams um, even the teams that are lower in the pack, like Butler, Georgetown, like every game is a quality game, but you, you know the teams that are really gonna gonna make you run for your money. Xavier is one of those teams. Travis Steele is one of those coaches, and this is the Xavier guys called it a friendly rivalry because at the end of the day, like this isn't a Villanova, this isn't a UConn, this isn't a Marquette. The ones where the losses sting, but this isn't one that you want to lose either because. Xavier has the potential to flop like they've done in the past. Exactly. And this could look really good for your resume. I mean, any road win in the Big East is huge. Road ranked wins. That's just it'll always help you out. I mean, that win over UConn for the Friars is huge right now. You get another one of those, which is what this would be. And you're going to be easily a top 20 team in the nation for quite a bit after this one. Yeah, uh, you go back. We could talk about the game Providence lost last year at Xavier, but remember the Friars also beat Xavier last year by 15 points at Alumni yep. Hall. And you look at the scoring breakdown in that one. Jared Bynum, he had 10 points, three assists, hit two from deep. 
Nate Watson, he had 15 points, 7 of 10 from the field. Noah Horkler, 20 points. That's one I know Xavier fans still remember, just watching that blonde hair dunk all over him. <laughs> and A.J. Reeves, he knocked down three triples. He had 16 points. So we'll see if Reeves is back for this one. But all those other guys, they're playing in this. They've shown they can score against these guys. And other than Nunji, this isn't a different Xavier team. So I think we – and this is a better Friars team than what happened last year. Uh, I think uh, there's took, no doubt – go ahead. You took the thoughts right out of my head, Matt. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt the Friars can beat them at Xavier. Uh, you took you took it right out of my head. Um so this is the same exact Xavier team pl- with the addition of Jack Nungie down low that Providence was better than last season. Now, listen, we were better than them at home. And for 37, 38 minutes at the Centos Center, we were better than them. It was that that final minute of when you lost your composure um, between Nichols and Gant that you lost the game. And now I don't think it's a coincidence that neither one of those guys played in the game at Alumni Hall. And that's not to knock them. I'm just saying that you look at the personnel change, Noel Horkler plays, and he has a career night against them. So this is an improved Friars team playing against the same exact Xavier team. We've proven that we can have our way with them. Listen, home court uh, on the road, obviously they're a different environment. But the truth holds that Watson, Horkler, Bynum, Reeves, those four key guys all played last season. Throw in the defensive nightmare of, of Justin Manaya and the quick savviness and craftiness of Al Durham, you're going to have a game, and it's going to be a good game. Yeah. You know what surprises me? You know what shocks me? I just looked up the line on this game. Could you guess what the spread is, Joe? No way we're favored. No, no, not at all. Not close. What is Xavier by double figures? Not quite, but it's Xavier by eight. Interesting. That seems incredibly high for them. I know the Friars have struggled out in Cincinnati historically. Again, only one win at the Cintas Center in school history. But this is uh, the Friars beat this team, essentially the same team, by 15 points last year, lost by only one at Xavier. Providence has a road win at UConn this season. I mean, there's no this. It shouldn't be a toss up. I think Xavier should be favored, but in my mind, you should be in that three to five point range, not as high as eight. Listen, this 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 game could very well be the decider of how Vegas predicts us going forward. You know, yeah. Uh, a lot of people across the country are calling us lucky. They're saying we've benefited from X, Y, and Z, and they can say all they want. It's clickbait. Um, you can rank us wherever you want. It's clickbait. At the end of the day, Friars fans who watch the games and Big East fans who respect the record of the Big East standings know that Providence is one of the better teams in the conference. Now, more than ever, this is the time for us to show it. Absolutely. And it's it's astonishing to me that the Friars, who started as number seven in the coaches' preseason poll at 16-2, and two, top of the conference, 17, 17th in the nation, haven't budged in some people's ranking in the conference. This team has earned quite a bit more than that, in my opinion. And games like this, opportunities like the Friars have this week, to kind of go out there and prove it. I know we said we weren't going to talk about that Marquette game, but I think it matters in the context of what's at stake for Providence right now. Because if you get even just one win this week, you can kind of prove, all right, either we can go on the road at Xavier or we can avenge a bad loss. 
And yeah. that, that's either way, that's stuff that championship teams do. You find a way to get both, and oh boy, you're looking mighty close to being a top 10 team in the AP poll. Hey, listen, hey, everything you said is correct. I'm not going to, I mean, just as a personal preference, I'm not going to look ahead to our matchup on Saturday, but you're right. The week as a whole presents a tremendous opportunity. I, I think if you walk away from this week one and one, you walk away winners. Um, and to your point about different people uh, across the country and Twitter, like rec- where they're ranking the Friars, a lot of it is clickbait. And if you're doing it as clickbait, then you really shouldn't pride yourself as a reporter. I think the the prime example of this, and there's plenty to go around, is Jeff Goodman. If you're Jeff Goodman oh my and you're supposed to be an esteemed basketball reporter and you're trolling Friar fans saying they're lucky, like – Come on. What, what kind of credibility is that? You're picking at, at, at a fan base because you want clicks. The same goes yeah, for anyone. We, Go ahead. Yeah. No, well, the, the best part of that Goodman thing, side note, is in the same breath as calling Providence lucky. He's saying Wisconsin's like one of the best teams in the nation. Do your own research, Jeff Goodman. <laughs> Look at the screenshot you posted that has Wisconsin like within 10 spots of Providence when it comes to luck on Ken Palm. Yeah, you see, he's he's contradicting himself, exactly. and that's the that's the thing with a lot of this clickbait stuff is if you want the impression, that's fine. But when you do it at the expense of trolling people, you take the risk of ruining your own reputation. Now, Jeff Goodman is is, is listen, his reputation may be ruined, but he still gets paid for it. So it's going to vary versus versus an unpaid writer. But at the end of the day, trolling is trolling. Friar fans should take it with a grain of salt, really, because at the end of the day, it does not matter if you think they're lucky, if you think they're seventh in the conference. The opinion pieces do not matter. Yeah. Yeah. And what matters is how you play on the floor. And I don't think the Friars haven't quite played up to their record this season in terms of like efficiency or a lot of the, the metrics and stuff. But at the same time, you can't argue with the record. They've beaten teams. They've beaten good teams. They have a win at Wisconsin. Yeah, it was without Johnny Davis, but still, that's a really high-quality win. They have a win at UConn. They beat Texas Tech. They beat Texas Tech when they didn't have Jared Bynum, the same Texas Tech team that's beaten Baylor and just took Kansas to double overtime on the road. So it's clearly a Friars team that can compete with the best of the best. A a fully healthy Texas Tech team, mind you. You know, we talk a lot, uh, too, in this league, in this conference, in the NCAA, about excuses and missing players. Not one peep from Ed Cooley about beating a fully healthy Texas Tech without our starting point guard, Jared Bynum. And not a full peep from Ed Cooley about going, what what, what did we refer to it as, two and a half and one without A.J. Reeves? (laughs) Yeah. The, The half game is DePaul because Reeves only played eight minutes. So we'll say he played half that game. But then you have wins against Georgetown and St. John's without – and now Butler. So three and a half games without A.J. Reeves versus the one loss at, at Marquette. But you don't hear Ed Cooley pissing and moaning in the press conference about it. Like, no. peop, like people take that for granted. And yeah. I just – I don't know. I, I think the, the state of, of explaining and crying to the media, especially by Kevin Willard, who once again last night came out and blamed a loss – uh, on the most ridiculous explanation. Oh my God, that was so. He blamed his loss on playing uh, at the wrong home venue. <laughs> you were playing on campus at home. Your players could walk back to their on-campus apartments after the game, and he's saying it gave St. John's an advantage. 
That man is That's, out of his mind. Like, what are we talking about here? He is out of his... For as annoying as his COVID excuses are, at least they have an effect on the product. Like, at least you can say, all right, yeah, some of these guys missed practice time. They're going to have less conditioning and they're missing players. It sucks. Every coach has got to deal with it. But at least that's going to have an impact on how you play. If you're letting the fact that you're playing in front of only your student body on campus affect your game so much that you're losing compared to playing at the Prudential Center, then there is something seriously wrong with the team. Like that's that that's there's something in Kevin Willard's playbook that he doesn't read. And it's called accountability. How about you say, oh, we thought we were going to steamroll St. John's because we beat them by six at the Garden. Oh, no. In fact, St. John's was up 26 at one point in your home gym on campus. And how come every time what, – well, I don't even know what that building is called, Walsh Arena or something. How yeah. come every time last season and the season before that when they had Miles Powell that they played there and they won, not a peep about Kevin Willard about the venue or how inconvenient it is to him. Only now when they get kicked in the teeth by St. John's. That, that You know what it is? Is he's embarrassed that he lost like that, so he has to find some sor- sort of external source to blame versus taking accountability. Because the answer, hey, my guys weren't ready, is good enough for the press. But God forbid you take accountability for a loss, Kevin Willard. Yeah, it, it's just, I mean, that's so annoying. I can and I, I want to stop, I want to stop ranting about it because it should be old news. But he keeps saying stuff and he keeps bringing this stuff up. The like, it, it, I, I agree. I want it to be old news, too. And we can we can poke fun at the whole covid pause ex, um, excuse because that's something old and he just keeps bringing it up. This is an entirely new thing. Your yeah. your loss on the, the venue. And it's not even it's not even like St. John's was like, hey, we're going to take you on the road to some ancient St. John's building. It's on Seton Hall's campus. Yeah, Seton Hall just oh. a game got rescheduled. They had to play it on campus because because the rock was scheduled. Like this is not a big deal. This is basketball in 2022. You can't adjust to things like that. Get out. <laughs> so yeah. Get, yeah, we'll see. I I can't say it doesn't say great things for Seton Hall's mental toughness, but that's Seton Hall. The Friars get Xavier, and I have no doubts about their mental toughness. For is. Rough as the the win loss record has been recently, and even almost losing at DePaul, I have no doubt that this is a very good, very talented team. So the Friars are going to be in for a fight. Yeah, they are. Absolutely, yeah. uh, it's going to be a, a good old fashioned Big East rock fight. Another one, another. We've been saying that about every game this year, and it's true. This the Big East feels more like the old Big East than I think it ever has. Just yeah. in, a, in a while, because there's a whole bunch of these, and even the teams that are small, St. John's, when they get going, it's all defense, it's all scrappy, which is still kind of in that old Big East physical mold. It's just coming from the backcourt instead of the front court. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to be as fun a year as ever to watch the Big East. I'm excited for it, but this one, the next game for the Friars, they're taking on 14-4 and Xavier. This will be at the Cintas Center, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Wednesday night on the lovely, lovely CBS Sports Network. This ranked matchup relegated to the uh, the other network that Big East games just happen to end up on. So, I, yes, I, <laughs> 
Sorry to cut you off. I just I hope Lapis is on the call so he can scream into the microphone and bring up old coaching stuff that he did at Villanova that no one really wants to hear about during a non Villanova game. Honestly, that's what I'm excited to. I'm not here for the Friars. I'm here to hear personal anecdotes about a different team from like 30 years ago. That's yeah. that's why I watch these games. I don't know about you, but that's that's what I'm looking forward to here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, no, it, he will not be on this one, Joe. It's going to be Tom McCarthy doing play-by-play, Bob Wenzel, the analyst, and A.J. Ross is the sideline reporter. But we will be spared that experience. But yes, it will be on CBS Sports Network on 630. So make sure you're tuned in there. I know a lot of people don't have CBS Sports Network. So let you guys know in advance. Find out other arrangements for watching the game if you don't have it. (laughs) Again, this is a ranked matchup. So we want to make sure we can get everybody watching this game. Huge one for the Friars. Possibly the most important game of the season so far. I think that'll do it for us here at the Fleck. I don't think there's uh, much else to say. Go Friars. Go Friars. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and subscribe wherever you are listening to this so you can stay up to date with our content. We'll be back later this week, but for now, thank you for listening.